0: Um, we were going to do a musical chairs thing, and then we decided we had to bring, be- no, I'm kidding. We're not, we're not going to do anything that different. But, but I'm just going to basically springboard off of one verse here in chapter 9. Although, Bonnie, would you read verse 13 again for us, Please. So he says, here is another bit of wisdom that has impressed me If I, wa- as I've watched this world works. Um, NIV in 13 um, says what? I also saw the Sunday, this example of wisdom Okay. And Cindy. Well, we don't want to forget Brian. Thirteen. Okay, so he's grappling with this idea of wisdom, and I've got I've got more notes than I possibly even can halfway cover tonight. We'll just I'm going to hopefully I organize this. Hopefully to hit highlights. But going back to verse one, uh, he says, "I've considered all of this in my heart." I'm reading out of the New King James so that I could declare I could declare it and yet not find it. Moreover, though, a wise man attempts to know it. He will not be able to find. I'm reading verse 17 of chapter 8. I thought this sounded weird. Okay, chapter 9, verse 1. For I considered all this in my heart. I did read that part correctly so that I could declare it all. That the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. People know neither love nor hatred by anything they see before them. Now that's a pretty deep verse. Uh, Does the NIV have anything different, significant on that? Either one of you? No one knows whether love or hate awaits them. But he reflected. He said, I reflected. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because the, the Hebrew actually uses the word that is often translated as the heart. And I, um, New Living says what in verse 1? Okay. Then the ESV. Just for fun and then Brian after that. Okay. And then Brian. Okay, so he, the NASB, which I like, where it says, I've taken all this to heart, right? Is that correct, Brian? Is that the very first part of the verse? I've taken all this to my heart. To my heart or the the New King James says, I've considered all this in my heart, which is actually, that's probably where I'm going to stop tonight. Um, so let's go ahead and close in prayer. No, I, um, I've considered all this in my heart because that, in ASB, and actually the ESV also covers the idea, it speaks of the heart, have, uh, but, but I laid all this to heart. To me, this a little bit, now I'm not good in the Hebrew, okay, so I, I, I can't explain, nor do I even really want to try to explain why some of the other translations don't mention the heart in verse 1 of chapter 9. Um, but from what I can read out of it, it seems that the, the NASB, the, e, uh, the ESV, I didn't bring my Christian standard, um, and someone has kind of got our hands full, but, uh, I took all this to heart. So what does it mean? And that's what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about the heart. Because we, we talk about these things, right? Um. There's a lot of different ideas there's we, we've touched on a little bit of this before there is a lot of different ideas on th- the makeup of man um, and and what man composes of now I'm not going to get in too much into the whether man is body soul spirit or whether man is body soul tonight uh, although definitely it relates this is part of it. But um, the thing is, in in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, uh, Jesus, and he's referring to Deuteronomy 6, and he's asked what the greatest commandment was. And he says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, I know of really, I don't know of any I didn't go looking a whole lot because I think it's, I'm, this is ch- you can't after a while you can be chasing after the wind. But I don't know of anybody who believes in a, that man is a, has a four-part component to him. The big argument is between whether man is two-part or three-part. Um, my, my view on that is that man is material, physical, that's one part. Man is spiritual, two parts. Uh, to me that 's pretty that seems to be pretty consistent whether that immaterial spiritual part is bodies or uh, soul and spirit or just soul and spirit are combined or are they two components of our spiritual immaterial nature is really not that clear I did some digging I forgot to bring i 've got a i 've got I really didn't have enough time to really dig into it. I could have spent probably three weeks just on this study tonight. Because to me, it's, it's that in-depth. But I, I I have a book on systematic theology by a guy named, he's, he's gone to heaven now. His name was Norman Geisler. Um, I don't know if you know of, uh, Brian smiles, so he must know of, I don't know if he likes him or not, but anyway, he, he, uh, and and he goes rather in-depth in the understanding of humanity. And a lot of good books on systematic theology, they don't necessarily tell you what to believe. They will tell you what is out there, the different belief systems. And you, you understand the difference, right? Uh, they'll, they'll just, as if they're giving a lecture, right? You know, and I, I taught on... I taught, a, years ago, I taught in Calvary Bend, I taught a, a class on, it was like a 14-week class on the doctrines of the Bible. And we covered different doctrines. Uh, I didn't tell anybody what to believe. I just, let's cover the doctrines that are brought out of the Bible. The same thing when I taught here on end times. I didn't tell any, any of y'all what to believe, although somebody asked me a few times, and I would tell you what I at least lean toward, but I, I I just wanted to cover the basis of all that the Bible teaches on that subject. So that's the whole idea about systematic theology. The book is about this thick, and I was going to bring it for you. And I, I read part of his portion on the study of man, anthropology. And he had at least six different views that he brought up in, in his writings. Uh, and, and so the the, the the dichotomous, man is two parts. The trichotomous, man is three parts. is only just two of, of those other different points of view, which I found fascinating. Um, although I don't know how much time I really want to devote to it. Um, interestingly enough, though, the trichotomist body, soul, and spirit, is what the Eastern Orthodox Church believes. And much of the Western Church body, so it believes in the dichotomous body, soul, or body, soul, slash, spirit. And it was Tertullian uh, who really kind of came up with the the whole man is three parts uh, type of an idea, which is interesting because Tertullian, uh, he borrowed it from philosophy. He got it basically from Plotinus, who was a, 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 a philosopher during the time of Christ who basically took what Plato had written three, four hundred years later and restructured it, okay? It's called New Platonism, all right? I know I'm going probably further than any of you, except for me, (laughs) I'm really interested in. But he borrowed that concept from Plotinus, and he didn't like philosophers. That's what fascinates me. I don't understand it. Uh, He was the one who said, what does Athens have to do with Jerusalem, or vice versa? What does Jerusalem have to do with Athens? Uh, And he also... He might have been really one of the part of the first Pentecostals in the church. He's an early church, 2nd, 3rd century, uh, 200s. And uh, he got involved with a group called the Montanist. And they were like kind of like the original hardcore Pentecostals. Um, And uh, anyway, Um, so those are some of the views on that. But we have this description of the heart. Where does that fit in? Does does it fit in? How does it fit into those two different arguments? Or two different positions? Or even the six or more that Geisler brought up in his book. What what is the heart? Um, Because the first commandment, again, Jesus referring to Deuteronomy 6, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your might. This word heart, translated heart from basically two words, one in the Hebrew, one in the Greek. is all over the Old Testament particularly is uh, the uh, Hebrew word Lebeb or Leb, which is a form of Lebeb. Um, and Most of the time, over 300 times, it really refers to the human heart in a spiritual significance. Now, I'm talking Old Testament here. It refers to the heart in a spiritual significance, and it refers to the heart of being the place where man has a relationship with God. Again, Mark 12, Jesus speaking, referring to Deuteronomy 6. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now, I know I'm cutting it off, but it's with your soul, uh, with your mind. And then, of course, Jesus adds with your strength, which is another question that I'm not even close to being prepared to get into uh, tonight about what, what do we mean by the strength. And, and, um, but the question is, Let's tie it into Ecclesiastes 9, but then be free to depart from it. What does um, Solomon mean here when he says, I've considered all this in my heart, which is the New King James. I've considered all this in my heart. Uh, one question would be asked, What about what is the all this? Is he referring back to chapter 8? And then some of his findings, some of his conclusions are written for us in chapter 9? Or is he considering what he has written throughout the entire book of Ecclesiastes thus far? Chapters 1 through 8. And I thought about, and and I'm I'm probably going to try to do this for you. It's going to take some time and work, but really to kind of, chart the different subjects that, that Solomon brings up and where they're found in Ecclesiastes. And because particularly, if he, he, a lot of these he goes back to them. One of the themes is, is that, 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 that uh, unanswered question of why do evil prosper and the righteous suffer. The theme of death is the great equalizer. It kind of equalized. And he, he jumps right into this in this particular chapter, if you noticed in the reading. Why is death the great equalizer? Um, he, he's calling out for justice, and he then he throws in, in, in different places, and then he throws in in really kind of a, almost anticipating the end of the book of what God's will is for us. And so it's, it's, it's really it's really quite a journey now the thing is in in uh, I'm going to jump a little bit ahead of myself and I'll probably come back to this possibly but in first Kings chapter 3 God has met with Solomon and Solomon has made his request again now this is when he's new and young and taking the throne and solomon makes this request to god and what does he ask for he asked for wisdom right and and so what fascinated me on this is in first kings chapter 3 verse 12 new king james version first kings 3 12 says behold i have done according to words god is speaking to solomon behold i have done according to words what was the words of solomon Give me wisdom that I might, uh, sound, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but give me wisdom that I might be a good and a just ruler. Uh, Behold, I have done according to words, I have given you a wise and understanding heart. Same word here as we see in chapter 9. I've given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise. After you. So in in some respects. One that makes Solomon very unique. Number two. I think it makes him a type. What do I mean about a a type? Now a type is is something that usually is interjected by, by Bible scholars. And they'll say a type is something that represents something else. And I would say that in this particular aspect. Solomon here who wiser than anyone before him or anyone after him is a type of Jesus Christ or an expression of or a symbol of, if that makes sense, right? Now, we, we know that he had a lot of failures, right? So it, the typology only goes so far, right? And, and I, I, actually, I like types, but I also think types are dangerous because people like to make doctrines out of types, and I don't think that sounds... Biblical exegesis, but your mileage may vary on that. Um, so, Dallas Willard kind of, a, he, he works with the heart in a, in a different way that I'm not even, and I was going to go into more of his views on this, but I decided to kind of pull back from that a little bit because I'm not even sure I really fully embrace what he's saying. But I'll I'll read to you a quote from him out of his book, Renovation of the Heart. Uh, And it says, the hidden dimension of each human life is not visible to others. Okay, the hidden dimension of each human life. What's the hidden dimension of our human life? Our spiritual side. Yeah, our spiritual side. I can see my hand right now, right? Well, there, that's better. But, uh, you know... But even that, what's interesting about that, because what does is, what is Solomon say? Um, that all the ra- righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. People know neither love nor hatred by anything that they see before them. So it, it, this is loaded with paradox and really loaded with uncertainty, just to, even in this first verse. So, but he, he says... Uh, the hidden dimension of each human life is not visible to others, nor is it fully graspable even to ourselves. Have you ever been in a room with a person that is making a scene? We'll just say a scene, okay? okay. Or it may, everybody is noticing them, but they think they're operating normally. I'll, I'll take it a step further. They're acting foolishly, but they think they're operating normally. And everybody knows it, but them. We we've never been in those situations, have we? No, of course, of course we have, right? Where where something is obvious to everyone except for the person who's acting out. Um. It's not always fully graspable, even by ourselves, and and then he goes on to say he says we usually know very little about the things. Uh, that move in our own soul and the deepest level of our life or what is driving it. And so that's part of what Solomon is attempting to do is he's looking at life under the sun. And he's looking to try to extract a deeper meaning from it. Unfortunately, a lot of what we have seen over and over and over again is his expression that he goes on. He really, he begins the book with it. What? Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. And, and I think part of what he is even saying here, now this is my own hint, okay? Um, I, I bet you I can find people who will disagree with me on this, commentators even, but that's Okay? Maybe even in this room, but that's okay, right? I think what he's observing is that people don't learn well from their own actions. You know, it's, I've heard people, different people say, you know, make as many mistakes, paraphrasing again, make as many mistakes as you need to, but learn from them. Right, learn from them, and and extract or develop or see a deeper meaning in 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 the the patterns of your life. Just in just because life is so much more than getting up and having a cup of coffee, morning routine. Right, walking the dog, having lunch, taking a nap. Right, I'm really making this. Of Having dinner, or in case when we were in Lake Tahoe, being able to lay on the couch while your wife makes dinner and watch her do it, and just wave at her, anyway, and watch the snowfall, go throw that in. Um, and then going to bed and getting up and doing it all over again. But what does he mean when he says he's considering these things in his heart? Any thoughts on that? Is the heart Something that's substantial. In other words, of a substance. Or if it's something that is described in more of a functional context. Like your brain is substantial, right? That's an actual thing. And in your brain, what do you do? Hopefully, you think, which is more what? Functional. Follow me so far? Any questions so far? I mean, this isn't easy stuff, all right? But what do you think about what he's saying? Is the heart... And I don't know the answer to this. It is more of the emotion. It is particularly... In our modern un, modern understanding of the heart, not the physical, but the you know the the person, it is a lot about the emotion. In our modern understanding, now, interesting that you bring that up, Bill. Because, and I was surprised in this, but I <sighs> I always want to be careful about what I'm reading. Right. I think I read good commentators. Actually, I was going to, a little commercial. This is an easy read, Lectures in Systematic Theology. Uh, Henry Thiessen, I think this had the Ken Perkey stamp of approval on it one time. We talked about a long time ago. I don't know if you remember or not, Ken. It's been years. Uh, but I think this was a guy that, that had the Ken Perkey stamp of approval. The interesting thing, and he does a pretty good exposition on the difference between dichotomous and trichotomous man is body soul man is body soul spirit it's it's decent although i've read some better ones but anyway i think he does a good job interesting i go to the index the two most important places in any book in my mind i'll get back to the idea of emotion in just a second but the two most important places in my mind in any book are the table of context and the index particularly in in books on theology if you don't have an index that, that lists every scripture that is listed in the book, to me, that's not helpful. But there are a lot of books that do that. And the, so the index can be pretty, pretty lengthy. Um, but I looked in the index of Thieson's book, and he doesn't even talk about the heart, or it's not listed. Which I thought, you're really kind of missing something here. Um, but in one of the dictionaries, that might have been Erdman's, but I'm not sure, they talked about their belief was that although modern man views the heart as a, an aspect of emotion, that he did not see the Old Testament particularly using the Hebrew word translated heart in that fashion. Um, that a lot of it even had to do with thinking and reasoning, which I thought was kind of fascinating because what we, how many times have we all heard, oh, the distance between your, brain, your mind and your heart is about 18 inches. Well, mine is about 16.4, but anyway, it's about 18 inches and, that, and, and how the word of God in some people it just goes in their mind, but it never goes into their heart. What are they even talking about? Emotion. But what's involved in emotion? Reasoning. Feeling. But also an act of the will. Right? So I like Bonnie. So when she came up, I was already outside. Her and Harvey pulled up tonight. Because I like Bonnie, you know what I did? I opened the door for her feeling but an act of the will right i think i'll open the door now harvey came up and harvey said i'll get it myself (laughs) or something that effect but but you you see how how they they they, yeah yeah but they they kind of go in hand in hand um now it doesn't mean that if i don't open a door for you that i don't like you okay that doesn't mean that at all all right (laughs) at least uh, right right jeff back me on this all right good all right um so, but often, again, going back to what we read in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 12, what God said to Solomon about him is that the heart is the seed of wisdom. You either have a really tough question or you're still chewing on it, one of the two. Right? Okay? Okay, so let's go in a short discussion with Larry about this because this really does tie into Sunday where Jesus is using physical manifestations, living water, born again, and... um, There was a a third one that slips my mind. But uh, the living water with the woman and also the food. There was the third one, right? He is using physical things, attributes, to really to speak toward something that goes beyond the physical. Now, with the heart. The heart is considered the, like the center of the circulation system. Am I I'm not stretching here? Okay. Part of the thinking, particularly in Hebrew, but it translated into the Greek "sum." But part of the thinking of the Hebrew usage of the word that we translate heart was that it was the center of the being of the person. So that which is true about us physically is a picture is of what is true about us spiritually. Not, not in every single case, right? But, but I think in some of the, these words, uh, it is true. And so the heart being the center of who we are as people, immaterially spiritually which will involve our reasoning which will involve our emotions which will involve our will and and then from that the body exercises the will based on reasoning and emotion but not always for example my reason I look at something that somebody left on our counter, a dessert. Um, and my reasoning is, I don't really need it. My will is I want it. My emotion is I want it, but my emotion is also I really need to stay away from this kind of food. It's not good for me. So be, in my reasoning and my will, I decide not to eat it. But my body overrides it anyway. The The thing is, is there are potlucks and there are potlucks, okay? Another way to say this is there are restaurants that are good smorgasbords and then there are, there's everything else, those other smorgasbords, right? But a good potluck, right? And you're looking at all this food and it all looks really good and it's like, man, is, everybody, like, made food that not only I, I like, I really like. And I want to eat it all. Well, maybe not all of it, but I want to eat a portion of all of it. And so if I ate a normal portion of everything that's on the potluck table, I might not be able to walk out the building. Because, you know, the soup night thing, that's a great example of that, you know. Uh, I may not be able to walk out the building if I eat as much of everything that I want to eat, right, In normal portions. So I have to control my portion. So it's the same thing with, I think, this understanding of who we are as people because un- understanding who who it is that God has made, that is us, understanding how it is that God has made us I think gives us greater insight into uh, how we can relate to him and grow in him even deeper. Because I think it's the place of the heart where we really meet with God. And yet it's even more than that because it is emotion. It is reasoning. Um, it, it It is the seat of wisdom. And, While on my plate, I might have each individual entree, when it goes into my stomach, guess what? It all comes together. And so, sometimes, you said you didn't have enough time, or you know, time left of life, and, and yet you can still sample. And, and start to, 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 to partake a little bit further because uh, any other thoughts before I move on? I only have four, 14 minutes. <laughs> well, okay then. Um, the thought, the heart is also our place of thought and reflection. Thought can be reasoning. Reflection can be the combination of reasoning and emotion. If you think about it. Jeremiah 24 and Luke chapter 2 verse 19. Luke chapter 2 verse 19 is really interesting because it's recorded about Mary. When Mary was told that she was going to carry the Messiah. And it says that Mary, Luke chapter 4 two, nineteen. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. She kept them in her heart. She pondered them in her heart. And, you know, I don't, as a man, I can't relate to having a baby. I just, you know, even when we, of course, I was happy when we found out that Mary was pregnant, but she had to do, you know, she had to do all the work, really, you know, um, but it is the place of thought and reflection. Um, if you believe in your heart, Romans 10.10, 10, that God has raised him from the dead. doesn't say spirit or soul. It says if you believe in your heart, the center of the being again, um, What's interesting about it, too, is it's the principle of place, that place of action. We see this in, the, in, in, in Exodus 35, 21, but it can also be a place that's hardened so that we, we resist God. The heart can be a place of hardening. It can be a place of softness where we commune with God. It can be a place of hardness where we resist God. Deuteronomy 15, 7, and also uh, Mark 16, 14 talks about. Um, so with that is a place of both virtue and vice. Um, this one, Matthew 11, real fast. Matthew 11:29. 29. Every time I do this when I don't, because I'm trying to save room in my notes, and I'm always worried that I put the wrong reference in and I look stupid, but, uh, that's my own heart, but, um. says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, Jesus says. But then he switches it up. He says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So he is gentle and lowly in heart, but we are to find rest for our souls. I find that to be fascinating. Do I have an explanation? No, where I'm going to keep going on unless someone wants to tap into that. One of the things about the, I wasn't even, just came to mind, Bill. Um, one of the, the underlying things of Celtic Christianity is the heart of God, or more specifically, the heartbeat of God. And they, they tap into John, who in the Last Supper laid his head on the breast of Jesus. Now when you lay your head on someone's chest, you are going to hear, unless you don't can't hear, you're going to hear, hear their heart. So yeah, they, they didn't have it really well tied together, but there, there had to be and that's the thing about the Old Testament that, that I love about even the, the Mishnah and which is Hebrew tradition that was passed down, because that was the interpretation. Now again, you put ten Jews in one room, you end up with twelve different opinions. But yeah, they they didn't have a huge place as far as understanding medically what was going on. So it it, but they also Hebrew thought ancient Hebrew thought was they they saw now I, I'm taking a little liberty with this, but plus one I can't find it in my notes, but but they saw. Uh, the physical as a means of explaining the spiritual maybe not to the degree that other groups did but the hebrews saw that as it was an illustration of of the um, of the spiritual so they probably understood the spiritual heart more than they understood the physical heart i think that's i think that makes sense to me um, and that that's why i, I found you know It's fascinating to spend a lot of time trying to read through the Old Testament in this, although I have a lot of New Testament references in front of me as well. Um, But it's the place of pride, Deuteronomy 17. It's the place of good thoughts, Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 15. where he says, the things that proceed out of the mouth, Matthew 15, verse 18, the things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. Scripture also tells us how the abundant of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? But those things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. So it's giving us, be careful here, because what Jesus said, and yes, I believe it, yet he's describing the evil heart, but again, God says, I've given you a wise and understanding heart, Solomon. So when I look at these and compare these two, that tells me that the heart can go in either direction. You know, and, and I think it was, I don't know, it was a guy who was, you know, he's still a pastor. Uh, we kind of were friends for a while, and he kind of stole this from somebody else. And Evie Hill is who he stole it from. Um, He was a black pastor back in the 70s, 80s. And he used to say, I don't want to hear about your heart. Your heart is evil and deceitfully wicked. Well, that's true. But also, there's this idea that that we we read about in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, where God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. Are they two of, is that? the heart and the spirit, is that one of the sa- those two two descriptions of the same thing or these two different things? Are we talking substance or are we talking function? Uh, but I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you and I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I find that fascinating. Sure, it's definitely uh, based on a condition. Yeah, in other words, it, it, for those who do not want God to soften their heart. I mean, well, look at Pharaoh. I didn't even look at that, but look at Pharaoh. Pharaoh did what? He hardened his soul. He hardened his spirit. No, he didn't. He hardened his heart. And so God hardened Pharaoh's heart, a condition. Because it was, a, I believe, your mileage may vary on this, but I believe that God's work in Pharaoh's heart was a response to God's to Pharaoh closing his heart off to God and hardening his heart to God rather than him being in a place where, and I know what Romans said, we talked, we, we taught through this in Romans, but, 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 um, I think, I think God responded. Um, yeah, he will give us what he wants. Um, Luke chapter 6, verse 45, it says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. So Jesus is speaking here. And uh, so recognizing that the heart, the heart of a person can go either way. So, I see it as the heart can be the soul, the heart can be the spirit, and the heart can be the body. So, you would say it would be a function. So, you would say it would be more of a function rather than a substance, is what you're saying. And that makes sense you know um but of course and I know you don't interpret it this way but going back to the the passage of the verse that we looked at love the lord your god with your heart your soul your mind your strength um i don't think anybody interprets mark 12 which i just threw out to you real fast like they do 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17 cuz i i I don't, I don't, I'm not sure that First Thessalonians 5.17. I know that that's one of the... Uh, do you do have it in front of you? Just so that everybody else knows what we're talking about? If not, I'll look it up real fast and read it. Go ahead and read the whole thing for us really loud. At least that verse is what is used for the um, argument of man as body, soul, spirit. And it, it's not a bad argument using that verse. But there are other ways to look at that. Again... They, most, most of the people would not interpret 1 Thessalonians 15 in the same way they would say, you shall love the Lord your God, love your heart, soul, mind, and strength, saying, no, we're not three t- types of people, we're four. Um, and that's why, and, and I, I like your, your observation on that, Ken, though, because the heart being an expression of all three of those, and that does make sense because the heart, the meaning of the heart is the center of the person, but it's also a physical organ. So, in, in that regard, I, as a matter of fact, that was you threw me a curveball, Ken. That was really that's a good uh, that's a good observation. Um, but in that regard, that's why I see man. I think it's easier to see man as physical, spiritual, and the physical, the spiritual. Excuse me. Well, the reality of our physical aspects. What consists of us physically? Well, heart is only one right, lungs, liver, thyroid, pancreas, you know, all of that stuff, the feet, the hands, you know. Um, it, as so I think through this, I think for goodness sake, the scripture tells us, the psalmist tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so uh, I'll, I'll kind of tack on to what Harvey said, and we're, we're going to be done unless someone has a, a final one. It, it's I think it goes beyond our understanding because, you know, uh, like I said, I was looking at Willard. Willard equates the spirit and the heart. I'm not sure it's quite that simple. Uh, and I like a lot of what Willard writes. But he equates the, the heart, the will, and the spirit all as one thing, just three different uh Aspects or three different descriptions of it, but we have a will, we have a heart, um, we have a reasoning, we have different type of emotions. Uh, human, and again, uh, if I had it in front of me, I forgot the book, but uh, uh, Geisler would identify at least six different understanding of what a human person is, which I thought was fascinating. But I mean, he goes very broad. He's a, he was, he was a good teacher. Interesting enough, and a lot of Calvary guys didn't like him, but I thought he was fabulous, actually. <laughs> I really like Geisler. Um, Systematic Theology by Norman Geisler. It's thick. It's a hard read, but it's... Do you have it? Okay. It's the word heart, English Bible, over a thousand times. It's, it's recorded over a thousand times. Most of those times are the word cardia in the New Testament which we never really even got into, and the word leb or lebab in the Old Testament. Uh, but it's over a 1,000 times. So it's, it's, it's a very significant part of our understanding, which incorporates feelings, which incorporates reasoning, right? Um, that's why I think Wesley, the more I'm thinking about his construction of what's called the Wesleyan quadrilateral, I, I shared it with you recently, Scripture is interpreted by reasoning, experience, and tradition. Experience incorporates emotion. Reasoning can incorporate emotion. Tradition, boy, buck against someone's tradition and see how emotionally uptight they can get. So I mean <laughs> I mean it's it's there. Uh, but he brings all of this into his heart. Because that's what he said here. I considered all this in my heart so that I could declare it all. So he's filtering it through so many different aspects of his human characteristics, including that place where he relates to God. I think we're done.